What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We've got the most exciting tight end prospect in years. We've got a guy in TJ Hawkinson who could lead his team in targets. We've got, got Mark Andrews looking for a bit of a bounce back season, even though it was a fairly strong season on a team that says it's going to throw more. Of course, we have those big three at the top. And we've got tight end rankings today, updated tight end rankings after the NFL draft on Thursday, May 6th. Jamie, uh, happy May Sith, right? New May the Sith be with you. May the Sith be with you. Heath, did you get, uh, get any Mexican food yesterday? Uh, I had nachos All for right. dinner last night. Homemade nachos, or you went out and got them? No, we uh, we had nachos and tacos, and it was all at home. Okay, great. Great. Well, I'm happy we were able to celebrate. And thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. It's been a fun week. We've been updating the rankings. Tomorrow we have one more show for the week, and that would be a mailbag plus uh, some of our favorite mid-round picks. Today, looking at the tight end rankings, I'm going to start out with a, a few quick notes for you here. Tell me what you think. So last year, well, let's go back to 2019 first. 2019, Mark Andrews, who for many people is going to be number four, for some number five, Mark Andrews scored, uh, in terms of per-game scoring, he would have been wide receiver 22 in non-PPR, wide receiver 28 in PPR. That's excellent. But last year, he was wide receiver 38 in non-PPR, wide receiver 40 in PPR. TJ Hawkinson was wide receiver, this is per-game scoring, wide receiver 56 in non-PPR and wide receiver 51 in PPR. So, Heath, if these guys can't even be better than wide receiver 40... They're not worth a top 50 pick, are they? I mean, what I don't know um, what tight end 10 was compared to the wide receiver class, but like part of the whole thing for Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Darren Waller in the, in the first couple of rounds is not necessarily that they're going to score more fantasy points than all the wide receivers and running backs were drafting them ahead of. It's the advantage they have over their position. And part of it is the advantage over guys like Hawkinson and Andrews, that middling group of tight ends. But also it's the fact that a third of the league is going to try to get be guessing each week which tight end the waiver wire is going to score a touchdown. Um, <laughs> because a third of the league is just going to have terrible production where they score four points or they score a touchdown. Um, so I still think, like, definitely 
if you're in the wide receiver 30 range, you're worth a top 50 pick. A wide receiver 50 range? No, but hopefully Hawkinson's going to be better than he was last year. Okay, but why you said wide receiver 30, you're worth a top 50 pick, right? Right, and Andrews has been 22 and 38, so... In non-PPR, he's been 28 and 40 in PPR. So, yeah, so you need him to get back to that 2019 level. But also, Jamie, talk about the balance of sacrificing fantasy points at a different position to get that positional advantage at tight end. So if you're thinking about taking Mark Andrews, uh, let's say at the end of round, when did you, are we allowed to talk about yesterday's draft? Sure. Heath, when did you take Mark Andrews? Uh, first pick around four. Okay. 37th overall then. And yes. uh, who were the, say, so yeah, good wide receivers going there. I'm sure. Um, just going to pull up the draft. Sorry about that. But Jamie, you can I have the results in front of me. Okay. So who did he take? Uh, what wide receiver went right after Mark Andrews? Uh, the receivers that went after Mark Andrews were Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, all in the same round. Right, well, sorry to keep going back to Heath, but since you made the pick, I guess talk about balancing, probably getting more fantasy points from Allen Robinson or Mike Evans or DJ Moore, whatever, but then having the positional advantage with Andrews. Well, I I mean, it is definitely a balance, and those guys are going to score considerably more PPR fantasy points than Mark Andrews. Uh, no question about it. It's what it, it's even more difficult when you're at the turn right there because I think for most people, um, based on what we're seeing, if you don't take a tight end at that 3-4 turn, then I'm probably not taking one until like round nine because TJ Hawkinson's going to be gone before I pick again. Sure looks like Kyle Pitts is going to be gone before you pick again at the end of round five. It's possible you get Pitts at the end of round five, but I don't really want to do that. So, like, I kind of look at that 3-4 turn if I don't have a tight end yet, if I didn't take Kelsey at the 1-2 turn, as if you're either taking a tight end there or you're going to be streaming or reaching. Well, I I think, first off, the the three of us probably can speak to this. And and the draft you're referring to, it's for our – June edition of our magazine. So we're not going to get too much in depth on it because obviously we want people to see it in the, in the magazine, but the three of us took, I think what's going to probably end up being three of the four tight ends who go after the big three. Heath, you took Andrews, like you said, first pick of round four, Adam, you took Hawkinson in round six. So Heath, you could have had Hawkinson at the next turn. And I took Dallas Goddard, who assuming that Zach Ertz is gone, which we all expect to happen. Um, as the next tight end off the board as well. Uh, and I took him, I believe, in round seven or round eight. Um, I took him in round seven. No, I'm sorry, round nine, hey, there <laughs> uh, you go. Which, which I feel like is stealing. Um, in any event, uh, Heath, you've said this before, you value Hawkinson close, uh, you, you value Andrews closer to the top three, right. um, I think more so than, than Adam and I do. Uh, I've actually moved Hawkinson ahead of Andrews um, in my rankings because I think there's a higher ceiling for him with the additional mouths to feed in Baltimore's offense. As we've seen, he's touchdown dependent. You know, So if you're going to value Andrews in that range of the top three guys, you're going to take him where Heath takes him, and that's totally fine if that's how you feel. Um, I would much rather wait for Hawkinson or Goddard at this point, especially looking at the value for both of those guys. Two rounds different on Hawkinson to me is fantastic, and uh, five rounds different on on Goddard is something I would do 10 out of 10. Yeah, Heath said he didn't think he'd be able to necessarily get Hawkinson 
with his next pick, which was at the end of, of round five, beginning of round six. So we're talking 60th overall, and, and Hawkinson went 62nd to me. And I would have taken Hawkinson just before Heath, but, you know, at 50, at 59 overall, but I knew Heath one already had a tight end and he doesn't really like Hawkinson there. Uh, but his actually his ADP is 75 since April 1st on NFC. So that would be great getting him. I'd much rather get him around later. Um, and also maybe Heath's right because George Maselli took Kyle Pitts before Hawkinson. So maybe some people would take Hawkinson there. I don't know that Kyle Pitts is going to go in round five typically, but let's throw Kyle. Pitts. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if. Yeah you know, the, the hype is what it is, you know? So I, 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 I think round five is probably a little too aggressive, but yeah. you know, going ahead of Hawkinson, I can certainly see that happening, but you know, for me, I would take Hawkinson over him for sure. All right, I'll, I'll get more into pits a little bit later. Let me give you this second stat here. Uh, I don't even know there's much to react to here, but it's just kind of funny. Last season, we had two tight ends in non PPR finished top five with fewer than 90 targets. And Andrews in full PPR was six, but 90 targets in a 16-game season was pretty low. In fact, Robert Tunyon, 59 targets, finishes tight end three. That's the fewest targets by far for a top five tight end in at least the last 10 seasons. We're we're talking all, um, like, not per game right now. Yes, total score. Before we were talking per game and we were comparing them to the wide receivers. Yes, correct. Okay. Now we're just going at total points. Tunyon finished top five with 59 targets. That is absolutely unheard of. In the last 10 seasons, only four tight ends in non-PPR, only three tight ends in full PPR, finished top five with fewer than 90 targets. And that was really what I wanted to get at here. Fewer 90 targets is basically what you've needed. And if you look at it, it's typically 100 or more targets to be a top five tight end. But Um, Andrews ruins that. Andrews is an exception, yeah, although right. he was six last year, for what it's worth. But the year With before 88 that, targets, 88 or 89, right? Uh, I think the year before that, he had... At 98, I think. Yeah, and he was top five. And I just think, like, just to wrap up first, on the Tunyon thing, he, yeah, he should be the most obvious regression candidate, and, like, the Rodgers fear and the Amari Rodgers coming in should be enough to keep him out of the top 12 tight ends, like, even in consideration now, I think, like, you can draft him as one of your streamers if you want and hope he repeats that magic luck, but he's mm. not. The other thing is, <laughs> as far as like the two round difference between Andrews and Hawkinson, it's just like, it's whether you think Hawkinson's going to be a lot better or Andrews is going to be a lot worse. But if they are what they have been, Andrews is worth at least two rounds more than Hawkinson. Well, I mean, obviously you're, you're going based on what, you know, a guy who's already broken out compared to a guy who's about to break out. And I think Hawkinson's about to break out. And, you know, for Andrews, if he doesn't score 10 touchdowns again, he's probably not going to be a top five tight end as we saw last year. And so they added two wide receivers to, you know, the, the offense and, um, you know, 10 touchdowns in 2019 and seven touchdowns last year. I think he's closer to seven touchdowns as opposed to 10. So I think Hawkinson can get to seven touchdowns. I think he's going to have more catches. He's going to have more yards. He's definitely going to have more targets. And I think he's the type of Darren Waller caliber player in terms of leading his team in targets, which is what I'm banking on. So two rounds is, uh, mm-hmm. is, is not worth it for Mark Andrews for me. Okay. And there's also a non-PPR versus PPR element here too because Hawkinson was, was I don't know, I would say significantly better in PPR, close to significantly better in PPR. And Andrews is better in non-PPR. He had nine more catches in two more games. 
Uh, yes, but again, he's, but, last but, year versus this year. What what's going to happen versus what did happen? No, he said was. That, that's last. No, year. he was better than himself. Basically, like his <laughs> he's a better PPR player than a non PPR player because he, he in theory he should be yes. And, and Andrews because of touchdowns. It's actually I think it's probably more about touchdowns than than catches. I, I expect a lot of targets from for Hawkinson, and I expect him to be among the leaders in catches. Where would he rank among cat in catches last year among tight ends? Uh well I I. He was fourth. Right. So, um, yeah, with only now, 67, that's not great. I think per game basis, great, he was but... probably more like eighth, but... Okay. So, hopefully, he can get the catch rate up a little bit, but he was he had 101... To- anyway, I think Andrew, Andrews definitely is better in non-PPR because of all the, because of the touchdowns. Um, but the other thing, Heath, with that argument is, I think there's a difference in when you're comparing, let's say, somebody going in round four compared to six, to, you know, to the argument of round six to eight. Because it's not just about where you take Andrews, it's about the players you're passing up to take Mark Andrews, which is part of the discussion we already had. But there's, it's not just, to me, it's not as simple as saying he's two rounds better. It's that if I take TJ Hawkinson, I don't have to pass up Allen Robinson. I don't have to pass up DJ Moore. You know, like who are the, the players that are going when I take Hawkinson are much worse. Yeah. And if you value um, like DJ, that DJ Moore type a lot more than you do the Juju Smith Schuster type. Um, or the Kenny Galladay type, then I think that's right. Mm-hmm. But those guys are going to be there at the end of round five, start of round six. Yeah, and great quarterbacks I, could be there too, for sure. Uh, all right, uh, so we'll get back into tight ends in a moment. Also some big-time news to get to here, but I want to let you know what's coming up on CBS Sports HQ this week. Now, you've got you've got the CBS Sports app on your phone, your connected TV, or where, whatever. Watch CBS Sports HQ. You can also go to cbssportshq.com. Uh, this is your home to start your sports news day. We got live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action. We've got live picks from the best analysts and handicappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern. And you might be thinking it's a quiet time in sports, but you're wrong. Champions League week on HQ, the second leg of the semis. That means we'll have wall-to-wall coverage um, this week of analysis pick picks, lots of picks around match days. So check out HQ on your computer or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone. CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. And it's always free and it's always on. Aaron Rodgers, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, he told Green Bay free agents that he would not be on the team in 2021. And uh, Jamie, it'll be interesting to see what people do uh, with their Packers right now and whether they're drafting or whether they're trading. I'm sure fantasy managers are nervous. You should be. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it's something to take into account. Devontae Adams is going to lose. Uh, Aaron Jones is probably going to lose. Um, as Heath alluded to, Robert Tunyon's going to lose. Um, Amari Rogers will win because he's your favorite player now of, of all course. time. Um, <laughs> we don't know what the answer will be. Is it is it Jordan Love? If, if it's a trade with the Broncos, is it you know Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? You know, is that something that has to be part of the package as well that they get a veteran quarterback or you know a guy that's uh, at least you know, played before to help, um, you know, replace Rogers in the short term. So there, there's a lot, obviously at play, but you know, you gotta be a little bit concerned mostly, I think for Devonte Adams, if you're taking him as the number one receiver and, you know, again, not to keep referencing this draft, but there was, I think a little trepidation for Devonte Adams. Tyreek Hill went ahead of him. That's not really, you know, earth shattering, but, um, I know Adam, uh, you know, you pulled the trigger on Devonte Adams and I'm sure a lot of people will probably say, that may or may not be a mistake, depending on who the quarterback is by the time they read the magazine. Yeah, 11th overall. 
And if, let's say it's Drew Locke, let's have fun. And I know Denver's been a rumor destination. Let's say Drew Locke is coming back to Green Bay and he's the quarterback. Where would you guys rank Devontae Adams? It, it's like Michael Thomas. You know, it's like, you know, you lose the, the, the quarterback that's made the guy so fantastic. He probably goes somewhere closer to seven or eight as opposed to one. Yeah, I was going to say six to 10. So right, right in that range. Detroit or Dallas released nose tackle Antoine Woods. I uh, I'm I'm gonna tell I'm gonna say that they they went with the Noah's Ark draft strategy NFL draft strategy. They basically drafted two of every position, so they should be fine at nose tackle, I guess. New England running back Ramondre Stevenson, first uh, this rookie um, rookie running back for big bruiser for the Patriots. Now he could threaten Sony Michelle's roster spot according to ESPN. Tennessee signed Brian Hill. Is that a handcuff for Derrick Henry? He'll compete for the job. I mean, you know, him and Darrington Evans. So, you know, my guess would be is if we lose Derrick Henry for any stretch of time, it's a committee as opposed to one guy stepping into that role. Yeah, and he had, um, Evans had trouble staying healthy last year, right? He could be Evans, uh, maybe Evans handcuff. (laughs) (laughs) Detroit waived carry-on Johnson. Heath, is this significant? I I still have a thing for Carrion Johnson. I still think he's really talented. Um, now I don't I don't know that he's the same as he was when he came in the league because he struggled with injuries and he's not shown an ability to stay healthy. But I would sure think if I was a team like the Falcons or the Dolphins or any team that had a, even a slight bit of question mark about my running back room, that's the type of guy that you would bring in. It, it'll be interesting depending on where he lands. And let's get some rankings questions here with tight ends. All right, let's start with Kyle Pitts. Jamie, where'd you end up with Kyle Pitts? Seventh. Heath? I've got him seventh hey. in the seventh round. Hey. Okay, so that means is Goddard, is Dallas Goddard ahead of him? Yes. I actually have Noah Fant ahead of him. Yeah, all right, we're going to have to get into that. Uh, so Kyle Pitts... I mean, just give me, Jamie, give me your overall thoughts on on him. How'd you end up at seven? And, oh, uh, why don't we do the list of the best tight end seasons ever for rookies, best rookie tight end seasons ever. We know Mike Ditka is number one. He absolutely crushes everyone else on the list. Um, so he is the only tight end who had 900 receiving yards as a rookie. 1,076 yards in 14 games with 12 touchdowns. He averaged 77 yards per game. Anybody know who had the second most receiving yards for rookie tight ends? Is it Evan Ingram? I rooted for him at multiple levels of his career. Oh, it's got to be Shockey. There you go. Jeremy Shockey, number two. Keith Jackson, number three. Uh, Charles Young, I don't know, it's Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E, Young, 1973. John Mackey, and then Evan Ingram was sixth with 722 yards. So, all right, 900 yards, it's only happened once. That was obviously in a 16-game season. Kyle Pitts getting 900 yards this year, guys? I mean, he could. It would be a surprise, but, you know, I I think he could be in the 800-yard range. You know, maybe if you're factoring in the 17 games and he plays all 17, then 900 is, is possible. Um, you're you're buying upside. You know, you're buying a guy who is everybody's favorite prospect, not named Trevor Lawrence, coming into this rookie class. You know, that was a star at college that was just dominant um, at 
in, in, in almost every time he stepped on the field. He went for seven for 129 against Alabama in the SEC championship game against that defense. You know, so uh, no drops. I mean, he's just he, – he's a physical freak. He could play wide receiver. He could play tight end. Um, he's with a quarterback who loves his tight ends. You know, I remember having the conversation with Matt Ryan last year about Hayden Hurst and, and what he was saying about how Hurst was such a gifted athlete you know, and comparing him to Tony Gonzalez and Austin Hooper, you know, and the numbers that he put up with those guys, Ryan put up with those guys and Pitts is on a different level than that. Uh, Arthur Smith is a former tight ends coach, you know, and, and featured that in the system when he was the offense coordinator, you know, it's talked about, you know, already using Pitts in the backfield. Maybe he's the answer at running back as well. Um, you know, there's just so much to like about what Pitts can be. It's just a matter of, is there enough targets to go around with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones there? Uh, is the offense going to change dramatically with a run-based system? But um, I think once you get past a level of a guy that you like for Heath, it's Fant. For me, it's Goddard. It's a perfect spot to take a chance on a guy that could be the the exception to many rookie tight ends and 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 come into the league and play at a high level. Heath, what what about you? What are your expectations for him? Oh, I don't think like I don't even know that I have expectations for him. It's it's more like hopes and fears. I think like you could see a scenario where he just bursts onto the scene and he's the number three or four tight end in fantasy this year. And by week six, he's the number one tight end in dynasty and everything comes to fruition. I just, you shouldn't expect that. Um, He's still a rookie tight end. And if he has 550 or 600 yards this year and scores four touchdowns, we should still think he's going to be awesome in the future. Okay, and Jamie, on a scale of, of 0 to 10 on the wrong meter where would you put Heath for ranking Noah Fant ahead of Kyle hmm. Pitts? Um, you, can't, you can't say somebody's wrong for ranking somebody preseason. You know, we just... <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Actually, I know. <laughs> yeah, but you guys have... I think, Jamie, you have Fant ninth and Heath has him sixth. I, wait, well, wait, wait, first wait, wait, off... Wait, wait, wait. Do you have Fant ahead of Hawkinson? Ethan. No, okay, I, but okay. but can we can we just like if you want to have a discussion, let's have a discussion about the careers of T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant so far. Sure, I love Noah Fant. Go ahead. Uh, it's they're almost identical. Like T.J. Hawkinson scored more touchdowns last year. That was basically it. Fant was better in their rookie years. Fant had five fewer catches. Well, I mean, Hawkinson missed so much time as rookie. You can't compare that. He played 12 games and he had one good game. Um, last year, they were basically the same guy, except Hawkinson scored more touchdowns. Fant was better on a per catch basis, on a per target basis for their careers. He's been better catch rate, yards per target, yards per catch. And they're both elite prospects. Either of them could have a major breakout this year. Yeah. But I, when you, we talked about this on FFD one of them might have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we talked about the sound FFT and five yesterday, and I know you're high on him. I just wonder how you're factoring in Cortland Sutton because you know Jerry. I feel like you like Jerry Judy. Sutton comes back. Locke is ugh, their offense. Their offense was terrible last year. They were the 28th in scoring. I think they threw for like 36, 3700 yards. Pathetic. Which um, makes it even more more impressive that he had. 670 yards in 14 plus games. No, that's that's yeah, not that's impressive. exactly how it works. Your that's share of your team's work. But is, there's yes, there's nothing impressive about 670 yards in 14 games. But 720 and 16 games signals a breakout to come. No, I, I that's the thing. I don't think Hawkins Hawkinson didn't have that good of a year. That's what scares me a little bit about it. But 
Jamie's hammered this home. He should lead the team in targets, you know? He doesn't I, have Jerry, Judy, and I have T.J. Hawkinson as the top five. I like T.J. Hawkinson more than Noah right, Fant. I'm right. not trying to say that. I'm just saying I don't think there should be very much separating them. Both elite prospects that have had good success for tight ends in their first two years in the NFL, and they both have breakout potential in year three. If you were just going to take Noah Fant and place him on the it's trade them one for one. You know, put Fant on the Lions. Would you expect better production than Hawkinson on the Lions? In other words, do you guys think Noah Fant is a better, a, a more productive player than Hawkinson? Given it's the, the same it's scenario, the I don't think Heath is wrong with what he's saying. They're, they're they're different type of players, but their statistics have been relatively comparable, especially when you look at last year. the The situation is, it's been played out time and time again for what these breakout tight ends are. George Kittle is a great player. He's had nothing around him, which has helped him soak up targets and become that great player. Darren Waller has had nothing around him for the last two seasons. It's allowed him to become this great player. You go back and you look at really the only one that has really thrived with great players around him is Kelsey. Gronk in his heyday, what did he have around him? He had Edelman and Welker. I don't even know if, how much he played with Welker. Edelman? Okay, but this is kind of like, it's almost, obviously Gronkowski is a great player in his own right. and Yes. I feel, you know, do you think Darren Waller and George Kittle broke out because they had nothing around them or because they're elite players? I think it's both. I think you, you allow them to be the target leader. I mean, Zach Ertz, for the two, three-year stretch, what was around him in, in Philadelphia? Alshon Jeffrey from time to time yeah. when he was healthy? Like, it, it's it, it's such a huge... I mean, it, it goes without saying with any player. Mm-hmm. Opportunity, volume, targets, you know, for, for these receivers. You know, we're talking about guys that are typically getting, you know, north of 110 to 120 targets. And that's huge. And I think Hawkinson has that ability this year. Okay. I don't think Fant does. I, I like Fant. I, I think everything he said about Fant is accurate. But you're throwing Cortland Sutton back in the mix. You still have the bad quarterback situation for now. What I was going to say before is, if you're drafting Noah Fant right now, it's like putting a futures bet on the Broncos. You're you're banking on Aaron Rodgers coming in and making everybody better. So it's a it's a great dynasty buy right now. If you can try and get Judy or Sutton or Fant, those are those are the this is the time to do so because once Rodgers gets traded there, if that happens, forget about it. You're not getting them cheap. So Heath, you want to wrap this up and just say why you have Fant ahead of. Pits. Um, and it's only a PPR. I, I feel more confident about like even with Cortland Sutton there, I feel more confident about fans' targets in that offense than I do Kyle Pitts as a rookie. Okay, guys, how about give me this debate? Dallas Goddard versus Noah Fans. Jamie, I think, sides with Goddard and Heath with Fan. I mean, I, I look at Goddard kind of the same thing. He's he's gonna potentially lead the team in targets. You know, Devontae Smith is gonna make that a problem for him, but I think Goddard has that type of upside. He's already shown you could be a top 10 tight end when Zach Ertz was on the field with him two years ago. And so um, I think Goddard's going to take that next step forward. You know, so another guy that could lead his team in targets, you know, should potentially lead them in touchdowns. Uh, It's going to, you know, be dependent on Jalen Hurts and how much better Jalen Hurts gets. But um, the first two starts that those two guys made together, he had 14 targets. So if he's getting seven targets a game, I'll, I'll buy into that. He's fant over Goddard. Yeah, I'm just, I have been a little stubborn on the whole Zach Ertz thing, I think. 
Um, and I, maybe they will just cut him, but I'm not sure anybody's giving them anything for him. Okay. And I like maybe if they just cut him, then, then I'll change my tune in about 25 days on Dallas Goddard and he'll be right there with Fant. I'm a, I'm a little bit um, interested in what this offense looks like. You would think Sirianni would heavily involve the tight end since he was under Reich. Um, but I do think there's a chance Devontae Smith just leads the team in targets. That's kind of my hope. Not to sell this position short, but I don't know how many interesting debates there are after that. It's basically I don't like, know how you could sell this position <laughs> short. I don't know how you, like, what could you say to to make it seem worse than it is? It's so bad. And, it, you know, being tight end six is really not even a great accomplishment. Hopefully we can get six good tight ends this year. Being tight end four is not even a good accomplishment. Uh, last year it wasn't, yeah. Uh, so... I guess after that, it's just pick the guy you like. I know you guys like Irv Smith. He's top nine for everybody. He's eighth for Dave and uh, eighth for Jamie and Heath, ninth for Dave. Uh, Dave still believes in Robert Tunyon enough to have him eighth. Heath has him 13th. Jamie has him 11th. Mike Kosicki is around 12th for Jamie and Dave. Mike Kosicki is 20th. All right, why don't we talk about that? Heath, you have Mike Kosicki 20th, so just not interested? I just, I'm afraid with the additions of Fuller and Waddle, it signals more true three wide receiver sets for the Dolphins. And Mike Gesicki's path to being good for fantasy has basically been Devontae Parker's the only healthy wide receiver on the team. Then he gets to be good because he gets to play more wide receiver. He doesn't really block or play tight end. And if you're going to have Waddle, Fuller, and Parker out there in three wide, now, it's a very fair thing to say two of those guys will be hurt by the time that uh, we get to week five. And so then Kaziki will be good again. But I think when those three are healthy, there's just no room for him. And Jamie, you kept him barely in your top 12, Mike Kaziki. You know, of, of the players that Tua has played with so far, he's had the best rapport with Kaziki. So, you know, we'll see how Fuller coming in and Waddle coming in. It's, it's a great point Keith made. Uh, one of their co-offensive coordinators, though, is the former tight ends coach and George Godsey. And so if he's, you know, has an influence on play calling, I, I doubt Gusecki comes off the field. He's still the type of tight end, you know, we could sit here and say Hawkinson prospect and, and Fant prospect. Gusecki wasn't the same type of prospect because he wasn't a first round pick, but I believe it was a second round pick out of yeah. Penn State and was heralded, you know, kind of in the same light that, that those guys were coming out of college. So um, he certainly put up numbers. He was great last season. Uh, you know, two of Tua's final four games, uh, Gusecki had 23 fantasy points in both of those PPR points in both of those. Um, so I don't think he's going away completely, but uh, if if they do, you know, value those three receivers over Gasecki, uh, which again I think would be a mistake because of what he does to create mismatches in the middle of the field, um, you know, he's 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 going to lose. So he, he he was a top six tight end for me, or top seven tight end for me prior to the NFL draft. Um, once they took Waldo, though, I dropped him down to twelve. Did any tight ends win or lose based on the NFL draft? Any big movement? Based on the other than Pitts, obviously. Well, Gusecki lost. Big loser there. Uh, any winners or any other losers? What about Kittle? I mean, I think Hawkinson wins because, you know, all they added was Amon Ron St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. And I don't think that's a huge detriment to what he could be. Heath, how about you? Did anything major change after the draft? I'm trying to look for, like, obviously, Gasicki was the, was the one that changed the most for me. Um, and Andrews like, didn't. Be, and Andrews didn't, even though they drafted Bateman in the first round and signed Watkins. Yeah, I think. I, again, I just view Andrews different. I guess because I, he's Lamar Jackson's number one wide receiver. 
Is that fair? I mean, uh, you know what? How about we call him co? Will you, will you sign I, on to co number one with Marquis? Well, Brown? I mean, Bateman can be the number one receiver. You know, he's got that type of of skill set. I, I I think with Andrews, you just know what you're getting. You know, you it, it, it the thing that's going to sway Andrews to I, I you know, and I don't want to come off as somebody who doesn't like Andrews. I love Mark Andrews. I think he's going to be fantastic. Uh, he's a top five tight end. It's just a matter of like you know where Keith is saying he's closer to the the top three. He's got to get 10 touchdowns for that to happen. He's not going to do it catches and yards wise. He's not going to be a hundred target guy. That's just not going to happen in this offense. Um, in a, on a 16 game basis, on a 17 game basis, you know, maybe he gets to hundred, but um, I just, I, I don't see them all of a sudden morphing into this open it up and we're throwing the ball 600 times. They're going to be around 500 pass attempts. And with the other addition of the other guys, that's where the ball's going to go. Yeah, the good news is and I just he, I, oh, I will say I sorry. I do think that he's probably a hundred target guy. So I think that's another area where we're we're a little bit different. But it's again, it's what he's but done. over seventeen games, not sixteen games. Well, no, he's been on a sixteen game hundred target pace each of the past two seasons. Um, hundred and one last had, year, and hundred ninety eight and fifteen year before. The year before, yeah. Um, that is with but him dominating could. targets basically with Mark. It's basically just been him and Marquise Brown getting <laughs> like half the targets, right? I think he's been. I, I don't have it exactly. I think he's been about twenty five percent, and twenty two percent's been twenty two. Yeah, 23. no, and and it's comparable to Kelsey in terms of what the percentage is. I had him at twenty three point four percent in two thousand nineteen, twenty three point seven in twenty twenty. But you've got of total throws, and he's not playing in all the games. No, I no? didn't do that. Not this. No, this is. I think is his. Just the games he played. Um, yeah, I'm right, at twenty two percent. It's right. So whatever, twenty two to twenty five percent. Right in that range. And Kelsey, Kelsey's twenty three percent for the Chiefs. So. Um, okay. So the good thing I was going to say is that he has led the team in green zone and red zone targets each of the last two seasons. I don't see why that would change for Mark Andrews. And, uh, I don't think, I don't think we're that far. I don't think anybody's that far apart on him. It's just, I guess Heath willing to go a little, pull the trigger a little bit earlier on Andrews than Jamie is. Here's, here's something I found interesting. He only has four games over the past two seasons, which is 19 games. So four of 19 with double digits in PPR without scoring touchdown. Yeah. So nine points or less in 15 games if he doesn't catch a touchdown. He's so good, though. That's the he's fantastic. He's so good. That's if he weren't good, you know, if, then I would, it would be easier to get go away from him. Did you guys, uh, Heath? You still have Kittle ahead of Waller. Anything change with the possibility of Trey Lance taking over at some point? That did not have an impact on me. No. Okay. Well, I think that is pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. I know you guys like Irv Smith a lot. You want to talk about Irv Smith? Real I quick? spoke to Irv Smith. Oh, about what? Cinco de Mayo? About himself. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. What do you say? Yeah, no, seems like he's, uh, you know, putting in a lot of work. Um, spent some time working out with a trainer in, in New Orleans. Uh, you know, went to go throw with, um, uh, I think he went to go throw with Kirk Cousins. I know he went to go work out with Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. Um, he was good in, in the final four games when Kyle Rudolph was out. Two of those were huge games. You know, another guy that's not going to dominate targets, which is something you got to be a little concerned about, but, you know, should have the chance to score. Uh, the Vikings have gotten seven touchdowns out of their tight ends as a group um, in each of the seasons with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. So, you know, with, with Rudolph gone, with, uh, you know, basically he's their third receiving option, you know, depending on how much you factor in the, the running backs there. But, um, there's just a lot to like about what the upside could be. I think he could be one of these next playmaking tight ends. And if the targets go at anything north of 100, I think he's going to be a guy that can score seven to 10 times. Cool. 
So let's take a break. When we come back, I got a couple of emails to read. And I think that's it. I feel, man, I feel like I have to kill time. All right. We'll do a shorter show today. What did you say? We could, we, could, we could argue about Mark Andrews' stats some more. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, just one more thing on Mark Andrews here. (laughs) Uh, So I had been kind of obsessed with this Nick Boyle stat. Oh, yes. Right? And it was really, to me, it was really telling because look at this. Nick Boyle got hurt in the ninth game of the season. The first eight games, Mark Andrews was on pace for 88 targets, 594 yards. The last six games he played without Boyle, he was on pace for 117 targets and almost 1,100 yards. So it was a huge difference. I figured he just started running more routes. He didn't. He may have run routes on higher percentage of plays, but he ran fewer routes after he played two fewer games. But still, um, I guess I'd have to do it by game. I, that was the, okay, okay, so I kind of messed that up. But still, I was surprised. <laughs> no, because I thought the routes run would be a lot different. I guess I'd have to look at routes run per game. I think they're probably pretty similar. In fact, I think I'd probably do that now. I think I have the links open. Dave helped me out with this research. Thank you, Dave. It's, okay. um, it's even more interesting I'll because tell you in a second. Like Nick Boyle played every game in 2019. I know. It just doesn't make any sense. But why did his production... So did Hayden Hurst. They started, they started throwing the ball less. And I guess it was just a coincidence. It was like as soon as Nick Boyle went out, Mark Andrews' production went way up. Okay, so 24.5 routes run per game with Boyle and 25.7 without him. So basically the same. I can't explain why his production was so much better at that point of the season, but a lot more targets per game and a lot, a lot more, a lot more, uh, actually fewer touchdowns, but more, um, more yards by far. Now let's uh, read some emails. Let me just tell you though, that you got to listen to the pick six NFL podcast. That's going to give you the in-depth grades for all these. We're still talking NFL draft, right? You're going to, you're going to want your, your team's grades. Uh, but the, they're podcasting like all the time, they're like six a day, not quite that much, but they're, they are so dedicated. So check out the Pick 6 podcast. They're breaking down all the draft picks and, and now everything else you need to know after the NFL draft. Follow Pick 6 wherever you find this podcast. This email is from Farmer Dan in the largest city in New Hampshire. Where is it, Dave? Okay, Dave will get back to us. Farmer Dan from the largest city in New Hampshire. A 10-team half PPR keeper league. The first four keepers take up the first four picks. I'm keeping Diggs and Chubb with one and two. Who do I keep with three and four, or do I try to throw one back and draft someone better at four? It's a 10-team league, remember. James Robinson, David Montgomery, Keenan Allen, Jeff Wilson. 
Just one? Yeah, actually, apparently we read this before the draft, and we said uh, James Robinson and Keenan Allen would be the picks, but now there's no way you're keeping Robinson. So would you keep two of them, or would you just keep Allen? I'd keep Allen and Montgomery. Yeah, I'd keep Montgomery, too. Especially if everybody else is keeping four keepers, you're probably not going to get a, a better player than Montgomery for that fourth-round pick. From Joseph, I get two keepers. Do I keep, keep Gibson in the third round, T. Higgins in the eighth, or Jalen Hurts in the ninth? I'm from Philly, and I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. So pick two of these three, Gibson in the third, Higgins in the eighth, or Jalen Hurts in the ninth. Hurts and Gibson. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably interesting. When when would you take Higgins? This is an eighth round pick. I see that's a thing. I think I like Higgins better than Hurts. I like Higgins better than Hurts too, but he's a Philly guy and you know, if Hurts oh. hits, then the like that that would just be he's a top five quarterback if he hits. And it hurts. And when it he hurts. hits. It would yeah. hurts if he didn't have him. I would uh, read more emails, but we have a quasi-mailbag tomorrow, so I will be reading them on tomorrow's show at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. I will also read some Apple Podcast questions. I did want to tell you a note about the Apple Podcast questions. If you say, oh, they got a mailbag on Friday, I'm going to submit my Apple Podcast question on Thursday. It takes a little while for it to show up. So I don't know exactly how long it takes, but I would give it at least two to three days if you want something read on the show. If not, we'll get to it the following week. It's not a huge deal. But we appreciate the Apple Podcast reviews. Keep them coming. Five-star reviews are great. And uh, always help us grow and tell everybody, everybody you know about the podcast. Next time you're with your family, make them sit down and listen to the podcast. They will love that. Thanks to Jamie and Heath and Ben Schrager. Thanks to all of you for listening. Rankings week. We knocked out all four positions. We will talk to you tomorrow with some favorite mid-round picks and a mailbag. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.